I want to dedicate today's episode to my great grandmother, who I called Nana Brito, but her name was Mary Redfern. She was Cherokee Native American hailing from North Carolina. She lived to be 109 years old. Now it's been several years since she passed away, but I remember her as a very intelligent, very artistic woman, but also very fiery. So you did not want to get on her bad side. In preparing for this episode, I reflected on my time talking with her and with some of my other ancestors. And I realized that as a child, I didn't understand the history that sat before me in the form of my elders, literal primary sources, firsthand accounts of history. And I wish that I had listened a little bit more attentively. I wish I had asked more questions, but I didn't. Just like me, I think that many of our students don't typically have the awareness or the foresight to ask questions or to listen attentively to the stories that are being told. But you and I, we as educators, we do. So let's stop suppressing the stories. Let the stories live, the joyful ones and the painful ones. On today's episode, I'm sharing about the National Day of Mourning. The November 2022 observance will actually be live streamed on YouTube. If you go to the United American Indians of New England website, you will see a link to the live stream. Now, I will also make sure that I put a link to that website and to the live stream in the show notes so that you can find it very easily. All right, let's jump into the episode. Hey, hey, welcome to the Culture Center Classroom Podcast, a space for educators looking to step into their power by creating a classroom environment and lessons that affirm, welcome, and celebrate all their students through instruction. I'm your host, Jocelyn Hubbard, an educator, teacher coach, wife, mother to five children, and your partner on this journey of creating Culture Center Classrooms. Let's jump into the episode. We talk about the terrorist attacks of September 11th and we honor the lives of those taken on that day and the days that followed, but we don't wanna talk about the massacres of hundreds of indigenous North American people that led to the Thanksgiving celebration. We talk about the many, many wars fought by the United States military, but we don't wanna share the truth of the Thanksgiving story, The the events that led to the actual Thanksgiving holiday? Why not? CNN journalist Matt Jewell noted in his 2014 article that as a holiday, Thanksgiving began in 1637 when it was proclaimed by Governor John Winthrop of Massachusetts Bay Colony to celebrate the safe return of the men who had gone to fight against the Pequot in Mystic, Connecticut. Now, when these men returned, they made it very clear that about 900 men, women, and Pequot children had been killed. And then they offered up Thanksgiving. The truth is that the United States land and many other lands were invaded and taken forcibly by colonizers from European nations. Those are the facts. Why are we encouraged to celebrate the takeover but not mourn the taking. Who does this benefit? Why 
should we only tell one side of the story? Why does the sorrow and the pain and the loss of the indigenous tribes of the United States, of the Americas, not deserve to be shared? Can we not hold space for the loss and sorrow, honor the legacy, and also be thankful for the right now? At the time this episode airs, the United States Thanksgiving Day is tomorrow. Although you may be celebrating Thanksgiving, many indigenous North American people are not. Instead, they are holding a day of remembrance and mourning. I am asking you to listen to this episode in its entirety, but more importantly, to hold space for the indigenous people who are mourning the loss of their ancestors and their culture and their language and their land, things that have been forcibly taken from them year after year after year. I ask that you not only share the truth today, but every day that follows. Disrupt the false narrative. November will end, but the telling of truth never should. So what is the National Day of Mourning? Well, this day of remembrance was started in November of 1970 by Wamsuda James, a Wampanoag man, in response to the censoring of a speech he was asked to give at the anniversary celebration of the Pilgrims landing on Plymouth Rock. When he presented his speech to the organizing committee before the celebration, they told him he could not give his speech because it spoke against the traditional Thanksgiving narrative. It spoke against the idea of peace and harmony, this narrative that we have continuously been given. Every year from 1970 on, the United American Indians of New England organize a protest on Coles Hill in Plymouth. Native Americans from all over gather to pray, speak about their history, remember and honor their legacy. This gathering is also a time to talk about current issues facing indigenous people and to plan for the future and think about initiatives and activities that will benefit indigenous people across the nation. The Native American tribes gather to remind America that they are still here. They are still here. Their voice, their culture, their lives matter. So what did Wamsuda James want to say on that day in 1970? Well, I am actually going to read a portion of the suppressed speech here on the podcast, but I highly encourage you to read this speech in its entirety. There are several websites that have this suppressed speech, and I will make sure that I link to some of them in the show notes. I also encourage you to not only read this speech for yourself, but I encourage you to share this speech with your students, probably more so appropriate for your middle and high school students. But nonetheless, sharing this speech introduces another perspective. It introduces another side of the narrative, an important side of the narrative, one that will allow them to have much more honest, authentic, robust conversations about the way that history is shaped about the way that narratives are shared from generation to generation. As I said, I will make sure I link to the suppressed speech in the show notes. For now, I am going to read a portion of this speech by Wamsuda James. And he says, I speak to you as a man, a Wampanoag man. I am a proud man, proud of my ancestry, my accomplishments won by a strict 
parental direction. In parentheses, it says, you must succeed. Your face is a different color in this small Cape Cod community. End parentheses. I am a product of poverty and discrimination from these two social and economic diseases. I and my brothers and sisters have painfully overcome. And to some extent, we have earned the respect of our community. We are Indians first. But we are termed, quote, good Indians. Sometimes we are arrogant, but only because society has pressured us to be so. It is with mixed emotion that I stand here to share my thoughts. This is a time of celebration for you. Celebrating an anniversary of a beginning for the white man in America. A time of looking back of reflection. It is with a heavy heart that I look back upon what happened to my people. Even before the pilgrims landed, it was common practice for explorers to capture Indians, take them to Europe, and sell them as slaves for 220 shillings apiece. The pilgrims had hardly explored the shores of Cape Cod for four days before they had robbed the graves of my ancestors and stolen their corn and beans. Mort's relation describes a searching party of 16 men. Mort goes on to say that this party took as much of the Indians' winter provisions as they were able to carry. Massasoit, the great sachin of the Wampanoag, knew these facts. Yet, he and his people welcomed and befriended the settlers of the Plymouth Plantation. Perhaps he did this because his tribe had been depleted by an epidemic, or his knowledge of the harsh oncoming winter was the reason for his peaceful acceptance of these acts. This action by Massasoit was perhaps our biggest mistake. We, the Wampanoag, welcomed you, the white man, with open arms, little knowing that it was the beginning of the end, that before 50 years were to pass, the Wampanoag would no longer be a free people. What happened in those short 50 years? What happened in the last 300 years? History gives us facts, and there were atrocities. There were broken promises, and most of these centered around land ownership. Among ourselves, we understood that there were boundaries, but never before had we to deal with fences and stone walls. But the white man had a need to prove his worth by the amount of land that he owned. Only 10 years later, when the Puritans came, they treated the Wampanoag with even less kindness in converting the souls of the so-called, quote, savages. Although the Puritans were harsh to members of their own society, the Indian was pressed between stone slabs and hanged as any other witch. And so, down through the years, there is record after record of Indian lands taken and in token, reservations set up for him upon which to live. The Indian, having been stripped of his power, could only stand by and watch while the white man took his land and used it for his personal gain. This the Indian could not understand, for to him, land was survival. To farm, to hunt, to be enjoyed. It was not to be abused. We see incident after incident where the white man sought to tame the, quote, savage and convert him to the Christian ways of life. The early pilgrim settlers led the Indian to believe that if he did not behave, they would dig up the land and unleash the great epidemic again. The white man used the Indian's nautical skills and abilities. They let him be only a seaman, but never a captain. Time and time again, in the white man's society, we Indians have been termed, quote, low man on the totem pole. Has the Wampanoag really disappeared? There is still an aura of mystery. We know there was an epidemic that took many Indian lives. Some Wampanoags moved west and joined the Cherokee and Cheyenne. They were forced to move. Some even went north to Canada. 
Many Wampanoag put aside their Indian heritage and accepted the white man's way for their own survival. There are some Wampanoag who do not wish it known they are Indian for social and economic reasons. What happened to those Wampanoags who chose to remain and live among the early settlers? What kind of existence did they live as, quote, civilized people? True, living was not as complex as life today, but they dealt with the confusion and the change. Honesty, trust, concern, pride, and politics wove themselves in and out of their daily lives. Hence, he was termed crafty, cunning, rapacious, and dirty. History wants us to believe that the Indian was a savage, illiterate, uncivilized animal. A history that was written by an organized, disciplined people to expose us as an unorganized and undisciplined entity. Two distinctly different cultures met. One thought they must control life. The other believed life was to be enjoyed because nature decreed it. Let us remember, the Indian is and was just as human as the white man. The Indian feels pain, gets hurt, and becomes defensive has dreams, bears tragedy and failure, suffers from loneliness, needs to cry as well as laugh. He too is often misunderstood. So that is just a small portion from the suppressed speech of Wamsuda James. Again, I highly encourage you to read this speech in its entirety and to share it with your students. Now, if you are interested in facilitating a conversation with your students, I would love for you to use a free guide that I created for members of the culture crew that are on my email list. You can grab this resource by going to customteachingsolutions.com forward slash Wamsuda James. That is spelled W-A-M-S-U-T-T-A-J-A-M-E-S. Customteachingsolutions.com forward slash Wamsuda James. Again, once you receive this resource. You will also be signed up for the Culture Crew and you will get emails from me a couple of times a month where I'm sharing tips and strategies, other resources that are really designed to support you on your journey toward creating classrooms and lessons that are equity focused, diversity affirming, and culturally aware. Now, of course, you always know that if you actually want to talk through some of these things and you want me to brainstorm with you some ways to create these type of lessons with your specific curriculum and thinking about your specific students, we can always hop on a coaching call and I'll make sure I link to that in the show notes below as well. All right, my friend, I am so excited to think about ways that we can continue to honor the indigenous people, the indigenous tribes that occupied this land long before any of us did. There are websites that you can use to actually look up and find out which tribes occupied the land that you are currently living on. Some of those tribes are still occupying that land. And I think it would be really great for you to share that information with your students. Please let me know how this episode was able to inform your practices and what you found most interesting. I would love for you to leave all of that information in a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Until next Wednesday. That's a wrap on today's episode, but it doesn't have to be a wrap on the intentional action you're taking in your classroom. Now, I know you're headed over to go grab your free resource because everybody loves free. But let me tell you what the next best action is. 
It's to hop on a coaching call with me so that you and I can talk specifically about your lessons and the dynamics in your classroom. I want to make sure you are fully supported on your journey as you are creating inclusive and welcoming and affirming lessons for all of your students. So head over to customteachingsolutions.com and click on the link to schedule a coaching call. I cannot wait to talk to you then.